Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, and if it were, my servants would fight to prevent me, prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate says, what is truth? With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there, and he said to them, I find no basis for charges against him. May the Lord reveal his truth to us today. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting to me to notice that Pilate asked the question, what is truth, but he didn't wait for the answer. It's kind of like many of us today, right? We, we ask the questions, but we don't want to always wait for the answers from God. Jesus had already said in many different places, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But for today's culture, God's word has become an inconvenient truth, to uh, use a phrase. That truth has to be denied and distorted or disregarded in order for us to maintain the deception that we're right and God's word is wrong. Lest we become too puffed up in our own thinking and say, well, I believe God's word. Remember this, true belief bears fruit. James chapter 2, verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. John Bevere said this, Obedience is about action, submission is about attitude. How do we relate to the truth? Do we obey it? Do we submit to it? Well, we'll see. I believe that we suffer from a, a spiritual discernment deficiency when it comes to the truth. It's a deficit of biblical perspective rooted in lack of development of a meaningful relationship with our biblical God. It's that time when we fall down because we don't really know who God is. We can't defend the truth because we haven't related to the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Unless we have a real relationship with him, it's going to be hard to proclaim him. There's three symptoms of this deficiency, of this spiritual discernment deficiency. One is, we become so desperate for truth that we'll settle for substitutes because we're too busy or lazy to verify what biblical truth really is. We become so ignorant of truth that we'll succumb to or be seduced by lies because we're too dependent on others to answer the question, what is truth? We become so vulnerable to distortion that we don't detect deception because we don't invest in knowing who the genuine God of the Bible is. Let me define deception for you. Deception is a deliberate misleading into believing something false is true. It's an illusion, a misrepresentation of the truth. The root word of the, of the word in the scripture is guile, and it has to do with a baited hook. Something that appears to be one thing, but actually bears something else. I gave you a whole bunch of scriptures there. By the way, the notes will be in the back. I, I made uh, a handout of all the slides, so you can have those. They'll be in the back for you at the end, if, if you're interested because I know I'm going to be going fast to get through all this. The Gospel of John especially has 
some very interesting statements and proclamations about the truth. Here's what I discovered in three, three different ways to look at it. First of all, Jesus is the personification of the truth. That's in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Have you heard that verse here today already? Must be a reason. The Holy Spirit usually repeats himself when it's trying to get a point across that we don't want to hear. See, there's a lot of people out there tell you there's all kinds of truths. That there's this truth and that truth and all these other different religions have truth. But my scripture and Jesus himself, unless he was lying, says, I'm the truth. So Jesus is the personification of truth. He's truth in that person. Scripture is the embodiment of truth. Jesus said, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And we know Jesus is the word, right? So that's kind of a reinforcement of that concept. He's the living word. And from John chapter 1, we know that that word was present when creation occurred. And so we have to remember, Jesus is proclaiming, I am the truth and I am the word. I am the living word. And he says, sanctify them. Set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth. And then, not only is Jesus the personification of truth and the scripture the embodiment of truth, but the gospel is the declaration of truth. And that's where we fall down to in today's world. The gospel is the declaration of truth. In John chapter 8 and verse 32, it says, You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That's the good news of the gospel. The problem with many in the modern church today is we don't want to proclaim the gospel anymore. We don't want to proclaim the truth. The truth is what will set folks free, but yet we want to proclaim something that is watered down, something that is milked, you know, and smooth and chocolate covered and has sprinkles on it and tastes good, right? So that we can draw people in. Well, what good is drawing people in if we don't give them the truth? The video referred to it, but there's over 50 times in the four Gospels that Jesus says, I will tell, I, I tell you the truth. Now, in some of your versions, it'll say, verily, verily, truly, truly. And in some cases, it's even translated, amen, amen. But it all means the same thing. I'm telling you the truth. Over 50 times Jesus used that phrase. Why is he using that phrase? Because he knew people would try to deny his words. So let's look at some things about the truth. I'm getting to my first, my first of my three points. That was just introduction, okay? I'm getting there. First of all, God's precepts are truth. There can be no denial. What are precepts? Precepts are a commandment, an instruction, an order, or a principle intended especially as an authoritative rule of action. It's a prescription a rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. We've gotten away from precepts in our world today. Everything is flexible, everything is bendable, everything is situational, everything is relational. Not so with the truth. God's precepts are truth and they will not bend for us. Human precepts don't overrule God's precepts. We need to hear that. Human precepts don't overrule God's precepts. Denial of the truth of God's precepts is just pure deception. And yet we hear it today, even in pulpits. 
I'll move on. Number two, God's perspective is truth. God's precepts are truth. God's perspective is truth. I'll get it out. There can be no distortion. We've been known to distort photographs, haven't we? That's a matter of perspective, right? It looks like the hand is as big as the Eiffel Tower. It looks like she's holding up the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Go ahead to the next slide. But we know that that's not true. Sometimes you need to look at things from a different perspective. Somehow I see Kate in that picture. When I saw that, I said, I've got to share that one. I can't. Sometimes we need to get a new perspective, don't we? We need to look at things differently from the way that we're locked into looking at things. And the way we are locked into things a lot of times is determined and influenced by culture, by society, by the educational system that is corrupted. Hello? That's why Christian schools are so valuable. To maintain the truth. Perspective is defined as the art of giving the right impression of height, width, depth, and position in relation to each other so that when viewed from a particular point of view, a particular attitude toward or a way of regarding something, a point of view. Some synonyms for... Boy, my, my lips and tongue are not working today. Some synonyms for perspective are outlook, lookout, standpoint, a stance, a vantage point, a true understanding, relative importance, and a sense of proportion. Those are things that we need to relate to our God. God's sense of proportion, God's vantage point, God's true understanding, God's idea of what's important. Let Him set our priorities. When we allow society or the world to dictate those things, or if we allow numbers or influences other than God's truth to dictate those things, our perspective is skewed. Human perspective of truth doesn't change God's truth. Remember that. Distortion of truth of God's perspective is deception. You're going to hear that repeated a few times so that we can identify what deception is. Because there's a whole lot of deception going on in our world today. And Jesus, Jesus warned us in Matthew 24. He said, you know, unless he comes back again, the very elect can be deceived. So deception is part of our end time existence. And I believe we are winding down to those times when Jesus is coming again. All right, let's move on. God's perception is truth. So God's precepts are truth. God's perspective is truth. God's perception is truth. There can be no deception. Now, what do you see? Do you see anything over here in these little lines, these things that look like uh, Viking ruins? There's a the word Jesus in there. Some of us can see it, some of us can't. It's a matter of perception, right? And then there's the old glass thing, you know. What do you see, a, a half full or half empty glass? Or as the psalmist, my cup runneth over, my glass runneth over. It's a matter of perception. 
How do we perceive the reality around us? Perception is defined as the ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through our senses. It's the state of being, or here's a word that all MSP ladies will like, process of, of becoming aware of something through the senses, through the five senses. Now, go to the next one, please. What do we see? Perception is truth. The guy on the left sees a six. The guy on the right sees a nine. And this is the church today. We're looking at the same Bible and seeing different things. <laughs> because some of us are looking at it sideways. Instead of for what it really is. God's truth. God's perspective is the one that counts. God's perception is the one that counts. It doesn't matter how man has been looking at it for how many centuries. If God says it, then we better hang on to it as the true perception of truth. Here's some things, too, I want you to look at. Go to the next one, please. What do you see there? A dog, cat, a rabbit? Or do you see the people? Yeah, see, there's people there. And I think that's the way we are sometimes in our world. We're so busy looking for other things that we miss the people. God's perception of truth is the only one that counts. Human perception is basically spiritual or physical or soulish. The spiritual Perception is between good and evil, and it's warped because of the fall. Our physical perception is our five senses, and we've just proven that sometimes they're not too reliable either, huh? Remember the, the two words, what was it? Uh, Yanni and what, Laurel? What did you perceive it as? Remember those words, the two words that were on Facebook for a while? You, you listened to one, sometimes it was Yanni, sometimes it was Laurel depending on what you heard. So our senses, our senses are not that dependable. So we have to depend on God to tell us what truth is, to perceive what truth is. Here's some more bullet points for you to understand about perception. Human perception of truth doesn't change truth. What we think is true doesn't really matter. Deception is the distortion and denial of God's perception of truth in order to believe a lie. <laughs> Let that one sink in. Deception is reception of a lie and rejection of God's perception of truth. I'm saying it several different ways so that we get it. Deception is acceptance of a distortion of God's perception of truth. Deception is rejection of the reflection of God's truth in the mirror of the Word. If you look in James, he'll tell us about that. It's like the one who looks into a mirror, sees a reflection of himself, sees something that's not right, and yet walks away with the same thing there. It's a perception problem. Perceptions of God, perception of God's truth is critical. We must perceive, that is, we must see and understand truth 
from God's perspective because he is the author and the source of truth. By the time it gets to us, it's distorted. By the time we think about it or see it or hear it, it's distorted. We have to go to the pure, unadulterated resource of truth, and that is God and His Word. So now, let's do some basic observations about truth. Jesus again said, Thy Word is truth. I am the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. So there's the answer to what is truth. So here's some more observations about truth. Number one, Truth must be absolute. The fancy word for that is immutable. Can't change. Won't change. Impossible to change. No matter how many times man attacks it, no matter how many times man tries to warp it or change it or make it something different, God's truth is absolute. Truth, in order to remain truth, must be unalterable. If we alter truth, it's no longer truth. Truth that is not absolute is corrupt and unreliable and leads to deception. Have you heard that word today? There's a warning in here for all of us today to watch out for deception, to know what the truth is. If you get nothing else out of this message, please hear that. Relative truth is useless and unreliable. Relative truth is defined by one time or one place or a language or a culture. Remember in the, in the video he showed Spain and all the different countries and stuff? Well, if 2 plus 2 only equals 4 on Wednesdays, or if 2 plus 2 only equals 4 when I'm in Spain, then it's relative truth and it's, you know, it's absolutely unusable. It's unreliable. Truth has to be truth regardless of where you are. Situational truth is deception. That means situations can't define truth. Circumstances can't define truth. How many of us find ourselves in circumstances that we can't explain? And so we try to bend the truth of what God's Word says to fit our circumstance instead of saying, Lord, you are true, regardless of what my circumstances are saying. Does God love us? Does the Word tell us that God loves us? Then how about when the circumstances are saying otherwise? What do we believe? We are still loved by God. Jesus said, I will be with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And when you are feeling that loneliness in your heart and feel like you're all by yourself in the world, what is true? He loves you. He's not, you're not alone. He's with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's truth. That's truth that we need to hang on to in the midst of the circumstances. Don't allow your circumstances to define what truth is. So that 2 plus 2 only equals 4. When I want it to or need it to, that's, that's, that's adulterated truth. It's situational. It's useless. Stay away from that. Inconsistent truth is deception. Truth has to be consistent. So that means we can't redefine truth. Redefine truth is deception. That's called rationalization. 
Y'all heard that word before? Yeah. So if I then decide that 2 plus 2 equals 6, does that alter the fact that 2 plus 2 equals 4? No. It just makes me look stupid. All right. Exaggerated truth is deception. I can't decide that 2 plus 2 is 24. Hmm? Anybody ever exaggerate? Well, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Sometimes we exaggerate the truth a little bit, right? Sometimes it's to gain the pity or, or, or you know, want, want an emotional response from other people, so we exaggerate our truth to make it sound really bad so other people will feel sorry for us, you know. Okay, I, I'll, I'll leave it alone. That's exaggerated truth, but minimized truth is just as dangerous and is also deception. So you can't say 2 plus 2 equals 3. Sometimes our numbers just don't add up. You can't say 2 plus 2 is 3, or 2 plus 2 is 24. It doesn't work. It's not true. And the same thing in our reality of everyday life. When things don't add up, go to where things are real in the book. Believe what the Word says. Not what your senses are telling you. Not what your circumstances are telling you. Not what your friends are telling you. Not what social media is telling you. Go to the book. And see what the Word of God says. Omission of truth is deception and denial. When we omit truth, conveniently overlook it. <laughs> Have you ever done that? You know what the truth is, but you kind of say, eh. What truth? What truth? Overlooking truth doesn't work. That's deception and denial together. Resistance of the truth is also deception and denial working together. Folks, we are in spiritual warfare. I don't know if you realize that or not. That's what I'm trying to, to teach the uh, MSP ladies on Wednesday nights is, is this idea of spiritual warfare, and it starts with the battlefield in the mind. The battle is for our soul, where our mind and our will and our emotions reside. It's the spirit of truth versus the father of lies. Hmm? Remember that. The spirit of truth versus the father of lies. That's why Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 4, Whatsoever things are, and he lists this whole thing, the first thing he says is whatsoever things are, true. True. And then notice at the end of that he says, think on these things. You know what that word think means? I shared this with the ladies Wednesday night. That word is literally the same word as ruminate. It's like a, chow, a cow chewing cud. Sometimes you have to ruminate on the truth. You have to get it and chew on it for a while. Truth don't come easy sometimes. you got to chew on it and swallow it and see if it all goes down or not, and then if it comes back up, chew on it some more. Because God wants us to digest His truth so that it becomes part of us. Ruminate. Think on these things. So let's summarize then. See, I told you I was going to try to be quick. My first closing. How many are there? Three or four? Okay. 
God's truth is paramount. God's truth is paramount. It has to be the first thing in our lives. Persistence in God's truth is what develops righteousness. Persistence in God's truth is what develops righteousness. Not what society says, not what's convenient, not doing our own thing, but persistence in God's truth develops righteousness. God's precepts are unaltered by our perspective or our perception of His truth. However, our perception of God's precepts are determined by our perspective. Follow that? Hopefully, with all the definitions I've given you, you are able to follow that one. So in other words, here's another way to look at it. Our perspective, our viewpoint, will determine our perception, our understanding of God's truth. But God's precepts, His standards, will not change regardless of either one of those. Chew on that one for a while. You know, ruminate. Ruminate. <laughs> There's a warning that the Lord kind of dropped on me in the middle of all this, and I want to share it with you. The warning is this. Truth cannot be ignored without consequences. Truth cannot be ignored without consequences. Don't just say, well, you know, I'll get back to it. No. There's a price to pay when we ignore truth. The consequences of ignoring truth are these. Ignoring truth will get you willful ignorance and self-deception. Willful ignorance, which can also be called denial, is a deliberate rejection of truth. Self-deception is the acceptance of lies as truth. So willful ignorance, that's denial, is more than just a failure to notice the truth. It's a conscious decision to cover or deny or rationalize the truth that doesn't fit our perspective or our perceptions. Ruminate on that one. I had to for a while after the Lord gave me that. I, I, I wrote it all down and said, huh? Okay. I had to go back and think about it. Finally, self-deception is a decision to cover or deny or rationalize the truth with a lie in order to remain willfully ignorant. So you see the cycle? It's a cycle of rationalization. It's a cycle of self-justification. It's a cycle of deception that we have to guard against, especially in these last days. And I don't know how to tell you this any other way, but don't depend just on Pastor Mark or, or Chris or Brian or I to give you the truth. Know the truth for yourself. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because guess what? There are going to be times when you are challenged by a deception that one of us won't be available to answer that. You better know what the Scriptures say. And the Scriptures are what's true. Remember this, obedience is about action, submission is about attitude. Remember that John Bevere quote we started with? The Lord brought to mind the idea of Moses striking the rock instead of speaking to it. Sometimes it's not about our intensity of effort, it's about the humility of obedience. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about obeying the truth. Okay. It's not about the intensity of effort. It's about the humility of the obedience. These things at 4 o'clock in the morning are really disturbing. That's why I couldn't sleep. She says, why were you up so early? The Lord is doing a download. Okay. A reminder, disobedience or disregard of the truth has consequences, and we've already talked about those. There's this thing going on because of deception in our world today. It's called soul pollution. Soul pollution. And while we would never think about throwing mud around in the church, yet we allow the enemy to throw filth around in our minds, through our mouths, through our hearts, through our thoughts, polluting them with deception. I'm reminded of the passage in 1 Corinthians 3 where Paul says several times under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we are the temple. We are the temple. At least three times in that passage he says that. And right in the middle of it in verse 18 he says, let no one deceive themselves. Self-deception, which we just talked about. The deceiver, the father of lies, wants us to believe that these things that we say and think are harmless, but they are not. They pollute our soul. They pollute our spirit. They rob us of truth. They cause these emotions of resentment, grudges, unforgiveness, jealousy, anger, envy, all those things that Paul lists in Galatians as the works of the flesh. God help us. So what's the remedy? What's the remedy? Communion, I think, is a perfect setup for dealing with deception and accepting truth. Because one of the key things in this passage in 1 Corinthians 11 that we deal with all the time is in verse 28 where Paul says, Let a man therefore examine himself. That word, examine himself, is related to metallurgy. It's the idea of the process of refining gold. Where you continually heat it up and burn out the impurities and they're scooped off and discarded. That's the word, that's the picture that Paul uses here in this process when he says, oh, I'll use the P word again. When he says, examine yourself. Examine yourself. Allow God to heat things up, to burn away the impurities. The word that is used there means to determine authenticity. (laughs) Examining one's own self instead of the life of others. Remember in the Corinthian church, they had gone off into this big party mode instead of communion. Communion had become a big uh, agape feast, which they were used to in pagan circles but it completely destroyed the meaning of what communion was supposed to be. One writer commentating on this section of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 11 said there's four looks in here. First of all, we should look back 
in remembrance of him. Remember the sacrifice that we acknowledge today as we partake of communion. The second one is that look within that we just talked about, the examining. Examining our motives, look for impurities, look for that soul pollution, and use the process of sanctification. Don't let that 50-cent word scare you. Sanctification just means being set apart for God. A testing that will produce a disclosure of what's defective and needs correction or purification. But as we're talking about that, you may have seen another post I put on Facebook this week. I've posted pieces of my message on Facebook over the last few weeks anyway. This book that I'm reading uh, called Die Hard Sins, uh, he said, beware the trap of introspection. Sometimes we get so focused on ourselves that we forget God. God wants us to improve. God wants us to, to purify. But don't get so focused on your purification that you forget who's the purifier. Maintain your relationship with the one who does purify. And don't get just caught up on all the little nitpicky details because that, that can become navel-gazing and lose your focus. The third one is look around. And I believe that relates to the phrase discern the Lord's body in the believers around us. Discern the Lord's body means I have to appreciate everyone in this place today. As we take communion together, we are all part of the body of Christ. We are all part of the body of Christ. And so it's not just, what about me? It's not about that selfish introspection. It's about my brothers and sisters in the Lord who are also members of the body of Christ. Are we being truthful in our relationships with one another in the body of Christ? And i got to just tell you this. We came into this church in uh, early 2012, and this is the most what-you-see-is-what-you-get church I've ever been in the most transparency I've ever experienced. And I think a lot of that is because we have a recovery community in, in this church. And recovery folks tend to be transparent. It's the only way you survive, right? So when we look around at each other, let's look at each other and discern the body of Christ that is there, that we are in right relationship with them as well. And then the fourth look is look forward. Look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because Paul says, do it until he comes. So are we being true to God's truth? That's our final question for today. Are we being true to God's truth? I've asked Micah to lead us in uh, refiner's fire. And I think that's a good, it's, it's an old, now an old course from the 90s, I think. Uh, <laughs> I have to laugh. Courses for me started in the 60s and 70s. So, uh, an old course in the 90s is, okay, relative. Refiner's Fire, if you listen to the words, and, and hopefully we'll sing them as well, make it your prayer today. My heart's one desire is to be holy before my God. Let's take Paul's words seriously this morning as we prepare to distribute the elements uh, the brothers will come and, and help me to distribute those elements. 
As we do that, take that time to examine yourself, to take that process of examining yourself to determine where you stand in God's truth. Have you allowed yourself to be deceived? Or have you been practicing self-deception?